1: Hey everybody, welcome again, Disability Law Show. So good to have you along. If you stick around for the next uh, 48 minutes, 49 minutes or so, you are going to learn lots, especially if you're dealing with a long-term disability insurer or you're on LTD or you've been asked to appeal or they're warning you, you're going to get cut off, all these different things. Maybe you know somebody who's in this predicament. Well, that's why the show is on the air. Albert and Savannah are here to answer your questions toll-free anytime, of course, toll-free, 1-855-821-5900. The email address, which we will get to very shortly, you can send one anytime. That is help at disabilityrights.ca. I want to remind you as well, we pull a lot of our questions from mydisabilityquestions.com. That is a very unique website, absolutely free and anonymous to start with. Secondly, it's got a searchable database, which is a great tool. So you can ask your question there, and possibly something uh, very similar to yours has been asked by somebody else in the past, and it'll save you some time, and you can read the in-depth answer that may answer all of your questions. If not, leave your question there, and it will be answered again, mydisabilityquestions.com. Going to get to some emails in just a bit, Savan. Albert, welcome, fellas. Good to have you along again on the uh, on the show you guys do every week. And we're going to start with some some things that have been happening on your end, Savan. What do you got, pal?
2: Well, John, it's great to be here, and it's great to have Albert with us, too. Again, just to remind our audience and to let anyone that is a first-time listener know, we are lawyers. That's what we do. Uh, we handle long-term disability cases against insurance companies for a living, and we do it in Ontario, in British Columbia, and in Alberta. That said, John, I answer questions each and every day from across the country, questions that are posted to mydisabilityquestions.com. So let me start off with one question that was posted very recently uh, by uh, April, uh, and she's located in Vancouver, and here's what she writes. She says, Hi there, I had a serious knee injury, and I've been on LTD since March 2020, uh, and so March of last year. My job is very physical, and the insurance company is attempting to push me back to work in about two weeks, when both of my doctors and I think that it's too early. Also, the return to work doesn't seem to be gradual enough. What options are best for me? Now, this is something that I'm sure Albert's going to give his two cents on because he deals with this uh, a lot in these kinds of cases. But we see them just across the board in every province that that we practice in where insurance companies will pay a claimant long-term disability benefits. And then before the person is ready to go back to work, they'll try and pressure the person to start a return to work program. And they'll start probing you, and they'll ask you, you know, is it possible for you to maybe get back two hours a week? Uh, can you do these other types of modified uh, duties? Uh, you know, your doctor seems to indicate you're better yeah they're they're needling you, they're probing you, they're trying to push you to try and go back to work earlier, and if you provide some resistance or if you indicate that perhaps it's a bit premature, maybe your doctors are saying you're not ready yet. The insurance company, the adjuster you're dealing with, a lot of times will not be understanding. They'll be antagonistic. They may tell you, "Well, you know, we may have to cut you off if you don't comply with the return to work program." And, and essentially, people when they contact us, John, they say, "I'm. I feel like I'm being forced to go back to work." Right. Now, remember something: the insurance company is contractually obligated to pay you long-term disability as long as you cannot do the essential tasks of your own occupation for the first two years and beyond the two-year mark as long as you cannot do the essential tasks of any occupation for which you're suited for by training education or experience what this means to break it down in layman's terms is that if you and your doctors believe that it's premature for you to start a return to work program your doctors need to put that in writing explain why they believe that from a medical standpoint explain why functionally they don't think that you can actually start the return to work, and you need to submit that to your adjuster. And if your adjuster then takes a more aggressive approach and tells you your benefits will end unless, well, they're in breach of their obligations under the contract, because they cannot force you to go back to work, period. They cannot force you. It's that simple. What your doctors say trumps anything that this adjuster that you have says. Now, there is something else here a person may feel like maybe it is okay to go back to work. Maybe the doctor even says, you know, maybe next month it may be okay for you to start on modified duties, modified hours, something like that. But the adjuster doesn't like the plan. The adjuster says, no, we don't want a, a you know, gradual return to program that takes you a year to get back to where you were before the disability. We want a, a plan that puts you back there in a month. And your doctor disagrees. Ag- disagrees Again, What your doctor says trumps what the insurance company says. Now, people, John, say, well, okay, but what are my options? Well, your options are to email your adjuster. And I say email because you need to put this in writing. Say to the adjuster, this is what my doctor is recommending. I'm going to follow what my doctor is saying, and, and, uh, and that's that. And if the adjuster comes back and says, okay, we'll follow whatever your doctor is saying, that's good, excellent. Well, then we have no problem. If the adjuster, however, says, no, we disagree, and unless you do X and Y, which contravenes what your doctor is saying, Mm -hmm. we're going to cut you off. We're going to stop your benefits. At that point, you should immediately contact us. Because then we need to speak with you about your specific situation. We need to talk to you about exactly what happened. We need to review the medical reports of your doctors. Again, this is for free. We're not charging anything for this. Okay? So there's really no risk. There's really no reason, John, why people should not be contacting us when they have these kinds of issues. Because it doesn't cost anything to speak with us about this kind of stuff. And we will advise you what, in your particular situation, your options are. And there are always options. Always, there are always options, there are always ways to deal with the insurance company. Don't be bullied by your adjuster. Don't be forced to go back to work. Don't go back to work just because the insurance company wants to save money to your uh, detriment, right? Because many people, John, who do actually go back to work prematurely end up hurting themselves. They end up getting worse, medically worse. They regress. Well, what's the point? What's the point of you going back to work if a month from now or three months from now you're gonna ge- you're gonna be that much worse and gonna have to go on disability again? It makes no sense. Follow what your doctors are saying. If the insurance company doesn't play ball, contact us and we'll help you.
1: Albert, what do you think about that?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree obviously with everything that Savannah has said, and I guess one one thing that I commonly see is people just flat out rejecting or claimants flat out rejecting any sort of gradual return to work plan. And I think it's very, very important that you get that plan in writing and you give that plan to your doctors because it's a lot more compelling to say, look, I've had my doctor review this gradual return to work plan and he or she thinks that I can't participate in this as opposed to just blindly rejecting a gradual return to work plan for which you don't even know what that plan is, right? And... Uh, the gradual return to work plan may have you working two hours a day or it may have you working 10 hours a day. Both of those are very fundamentally different. So you need to, you need to find out exactly what the gradual return to work plan that they, that the insurance company is proposing entails, and then you're in a better position to say whether or not you can or can't do it. So get that in writing and then get your doctors to write something contrary to that in writing, and that's really the best option.
1: What, uh, what happens, guys, if it, it, to your final point there, Albert, you know, you get your doctor to write something else and then, the, you know, the insurance company still doesn't budge or playing hardball. A lot of doctors who have been at this for decades, they get the game. They understand it. But a lot of, a lot of doctors don't understand because they're doctors. They're not legal professionals. They don't have the, uh, the gumption to get through this and make it through this with all the static they're getting from your insurance company. What do you do in that case where your don't doctor says, I don't know what else these guys want. I'm out of options. I don't, I don't know how we can help you.
3: That's that's exactly when you have to get a lawyer involved. And you want to get someone who handles disability claims. You don't want someone that just dabbles in it because there are a ton of nuances when you're dealing with this. We're not even necessarily saying go with us, but just go with someone who regularly practices disability law all the time and it's very very important. And that's often often sometimes the calculated risk that the insurance companies take. They know that most people are going to give up. But they also know that lawyers aren't going to give up because this is what we do. That's what we're hired to do. So, as you, quite often, once we get a lawyer involved, or once the insurance company sees that a lawyer is involved, that's when they back off.
2: Well, actually, let me correct that. Depends what lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Albert's assuming that it's once we get involved. And I agree, it's very different. Uh, two points on what Albert said. Number one, you know having worked for insurance companies in the past and John we spoke about this before insurance companies know exactly who the big players are in this mm. field they know who the lawyers are that they have to watch out for and they also know who the lawyers are that they can run over and the problem is that the, the you know the general public doesn't know that necessarily right, right. you don't know if the lawyer you've hired is a lawyer that has experience or the de- uh, sufficient experience and resources to take on the insurance company and frankly you don't even know if the lawyer in the law firm has a reputation that will work for you or against you right some people think well worst case scenario my lawyer or my law firm is maybe they're not like you know the big guns but they're not going to do damage that's not true that's not true i remember my days as a defense lawyer years and years ago when i got a new claim to defend on my desk from the partners at my firm, uh, my old firm. And I I would look at the back page of the claim, of the legal claim, and I would see a, the name of a lawyer or a law firm. And then I would get on the phone with the adjuster that I was reporting to. And I would say, you know, this lawyer, whatever reserves you have that you're going to pay out on this claim, double it, because these wow. guys are serious. On the other hand, there are other lawyers where I remember specifically, <laughs> names come to mind, John, uh, where I would call the adjuster and say, oh, I'm going to run circles around these lawyers uh, yeah. or this particular lawyer or law firm. We're not going to pay much. You're going to save a lot of money. Uh, why? Because you know, y- 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 the individual hired the wrong person. Yeah. They hired someone that the insurance company and I, as a defense lawyer, knew I could shake off. And I couldn't delay. So you have to make sure that you hire the right law firm, the right lawyers, because reputation counts. It's no different than medicine. Do you want to go to the best heart doctor if you have a heart issue, or do you want to go to somebody who doesn't know what they're doing and gives up easily, right? You need to go to the right people. It's just like any other profession. There are some people who know what they're doing, and they're very good at it. And I can tell you, each person on my team is one of those people, and there are others who are simply not. Yeah.
1: Guys, we'll take a, a short break. we got a break in about a minute, so we'll just do that now and get back to lots more. You want to reach out to Savan or Albert, you can do so. If you're uh, wondering, that number, 1-855-821-5900. Chat will cost you nothing. If it's for you or maybe a family member, someone's a little bashful to uh, to reach out, do so. Do them the favor. Uh, the website, disabilityrights.ca, will put you in uh, contact with our long-running TV show of uh, the same nature. And then finally, the email address we use every week, help at disabilityrights.ca
0: just that simple we'll continue disability law show on global news radio you are listening to a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser the opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of global news radio 640 toronto Hey, welcome back, Disability Law Show. Good to have you uh, along for the ride. Toll-free number, reaching out to
1: Savan, Albert, member of their teams. It's uh, no problem, 1-855-821-5900. The email address we always go to is help at disabilityrights.ca. Albert, you got something to talk about before we get into some more of the uh, emails that are coming through. what's uh, what say you, pal?
3: Well, we actually did have another, another email, which uh, I just had come in, and it's from a gentleman named John. And he writes, hello, I was told that my LTD won't be approved until they receive all my medical reports, dating back from October 2020 to date. I've signed and agreed to release my medical information from October 2020 to date. Here's the problem. I was told it can take weeks, even months, before the records will get to my insurance provider. I've emailed the insurance company, said, please let me help you so we can move forward. I've taken your advice and emailed the insurance company, and I'm asking lots of questions. I have it all saved in my email account. And I've even handed in all reports and filled in the application well within the time frame. I'm following all my doctor's orders and doing all my treatments. And I just got out of the hospital after three days, and I'm still dealing with a lot of depression and anxiety. I've followed all the policies and procedures, yet it seems like the insurance company is dragging this out and looking for every loophole to frustrate me. The reason I'm off of work is because of serious harassment issue that took place at work. The corporation claimed responsibility for the incident. This has doubled my anxiety and put me right on the edge. I love your show. All of you do an amazing job. Thank goodness for your show. Thank you, John. Well, John, thank you very much for emailing in. Uh, Lots to kind of touch on here. Um, But what you're describing is really something that we see in many, many, many claims. And at the end of the day, the insurance company is always going to be incentivized to delay. Because A, it just means that they're not paying you. And B, there's a chance that the longer that they delay, the more likely it is that you or someone in your position is going to have to return back to work. And that's ultimately what they're banking on. So they'll throw, they'll, they'll, they'll give you letters asking for more information. They'll, try and make you go get records which they know are going to be unbelievably difficult or unbelievably expensive for you to get and it's all calculated risk and so I mean at the end of the day really it's a balance on the one hand the insurance company does have a right to adjudicate your claim and to that end they have a right to look at whatever medical information they're going to need in order to make a proper assessment but that's kind of the limiting factor there because on the other hand They can't just unnecessarily delay. They don't need every single medical document for every single medical visit that you've ever had in order to make an assessment as to whether or not you can or can work right now. And that's a limiting factor. And so there's not a hard and fast science to this. I mean, if, if you feel... Like in your heart, you've, you've actually provided them all the information that they would need to make an assessment. Your doctor has clearly stated what you're dealing with. Your doctor's clearly stated that you can't functionally work. That should be enough for them to make an assessment. And if they're delaying too much, uh, what you need to do is you need to speak to a lawyer like us. And what we need to do is we need to give them a hard and fast deadline. And I've done this many, many times. So feel free to reach out to me where I just write to the insurance company and I say, look, if we don't hear from you in two weeks, we're going to treat this as a denial. And I'm going to recommend to John that he exercises his legal rights. And that at least puts the time frame for when they now have to make a decision. They have to decide, do they need these medical reports from October 2020? Or are they going to make an assessment based on what you've already provided? And it's going to look pretty bad when you've already provided them with ample medical uh, support for the fact that you can't work, and ample medical support to actually make a decision, and they just chose not to. And all of that's in writing. That's going to look terrible. That's what I'd recommend. Otherwise, you did mention that you're off of work because of a serious harassment issue. And if that's the sole reason that you are off of work, you need to make sure that you apply for W which is the workers' compensation board. And most of these standard policies will contain a provision which basically says if you're eligible to receive any sort of workers' compensation, you need to access that. And if you don't access that, we're allowed to estimate how much you could get from that workers' compensation and reduce whatever we pay you every month by that estimate. And so that's important. You want to avoid any any sort of instance where the insurance company is getting a credit for things that you're not actually receiving. So make sure that you apply for WSIB right away. Even if you get denied, then you can tell the insurance company, look, I've applied. And then at that point, they can't make any sort of estimate. I don't know, Savannah, anything else to add here?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think uh, there's a lot of information you've, you've given out. Um, I think that whenever you're dealing with work-related issues, there's always the chance that it's either captured by workers' compensation, so it's WSAB here or WCB uh, in Alberta and BC. Um, but uh, in addition to that, oftentimes you may have an employment law claim against your um, employer, the company you're working for, if in fact the situation is such that you cannot work there. You you simply cannot function at your workplace because of some issue, a toxic work environment, harassment, whatever is going on with your boss, your colleagues. And again, we have employment lawyers on staff here, and this is what we do as well. It's not just long term disability, it's also employment law, right? We do these two areas of law, John. Mm-hmm. And it's important for people to understand that either way, we can help you. Don't simply get stuck in the middle, especially when the insurance company says, We need more info, we need more info, we need more info. And you think you've given them everything, and in many cases you have, and yet they keep asking for more and more, because again, the strategy is to delay, 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 so they don't have to pay you, so that you give up. And if you have any questions, (laughs) Albert's right, contact us, go to MyDisabilityQuestions.com, post your question, we'll answer it. It'll cost you nothing, and at least you'll have the information to make an informed decision.
1: It just seems that this person has done everything there, uh above board. Seems like they've been very compliant. Uh yes. almost sounds like more than most. It's just like this. Just seems like the gall of this insurance company to put this person through the ringer like this. It's like, of course, it's going to wear you down
2: to a nub. That's oh, very. Nice. Com- it's very common. It's very very yeah. common. Insurance companies. I mean, remember w- what is their motive? Them. I mean, their motive at the end of the day is to make a profit. And the way they make a profit is by taking in premiums and delaying payment. Or, you know, when they win, when they really win big, they don't pay you anything. They try to avoid paying you. One of the ways to do it, one of the big strategies that they utilize, is to get you to give up on your claim. Which is why, John, the majority of people who uh, who actually end up contacting us are family members of disabled individuals. Colleagues and friends of people Mm -hmm. who are legitimately entitled to LTD, not the actual disabled people, because a disabled person has to deal with their disability, whether it's a mental uh, health issue, uh, a physical issue or a combination of both, maybe a person had an accident or has a terrible disease, and now with COVID, with everything that that entails, so most people simply give up, they curl up and they just give up, And, and that's why it's incumbent on people who are listening here, John. To think, is there somebody that can be, ben- that could benefit from this information? And, and, you know, you've given our website out. It's got a lot of very good information on there. This is all free. All this information is free. MyDisabilityQuestions.com is free. Our website with all the resources is free. It's to empower people out there to understand you are not as powerless as you think you are when you're dealing with an insurance company. Insurance companies, yes, they have a lot of money, but they don't want to spend that fighting you they don't. I remember again as a defense lawyer back then, one of the more more common questions I would get from the adjusters that I would be working for uh, was when can you settle the case, you know? They did not like to pay our legal fees yeah. as defense lawyers, right? And if you put their feet to the fire, they will pay your claim they will pay. If we're telling you you have a legitimate claim, it's up to you if you want to let the insurance company keep your money or if you want to fight them. And I'm not saying you fight them. I'm saying you let us fight them.
1: It's just awesome, guys. one 821 5900 That's where it starts with that phone call. Uh, go ahead and use it. Be a, be a wise thing to do. Email is help at disabilityrights.ca. Just before we uh, have a few minutes here before breaks, end, you had another issue or at least another email you wanted to talk about.
2: Yeah. You know, this is just a general point. Uh, I I get, I think, every week emails uh, from individuals, again, across the country, uh, and they're asking me about how to appeal their LTD denials. And we've talked about appeals many, many times, and people know what my views are, Albert's views, James's views are on appeals. When you are denied long-term disability, That denial will be in the form of a letter or an email to you. And at the end of that letter, you will see the word appeal. You will see a paragraph or two that talk about how you can appeal. Do not appeal these denials. At least least don't appeal them before you speak with us. Because when you are appealing these denials, you are essentially playing the insurance company's game. They control the process. You're not appealing to a third party. You're not appealing to a committee that's outside of the insurance company. You're not appealing to the ombudsperson you're not appealing to a judge, you are literally re-asking the exact same group of people, that insurance company that denied you in the first place, you are re-asking them to approve your claim, and they have no incentive to do so. And I'm never going to say that appeals never, ever work. And incidentally, there are some cases, there are some cases where it actually states in the policy that you have to go through some kind of an appeal process. But again, this is why I say, those are few and far between You need to contact us. We can tell you. We can look at your your insurance policy very quickly. If you're unionized, we can look at the collective agreement very quickly. And we can tell you what you need to do. And if you still want to appeal despite our advice, go ahead and do it. But the reality is you're going to be taken in for a ride. And you're going to come to us three months later, six months later, a year later, maybe even more, and say, okay, guys, what do I do now? How do I actually force the insurance company to pay me? And we get involved. And suddenly, we resolve the, the you know the claim fairly quickly, and, and you realize that you could have had this money in your pocket months and months ago. So don't go through this charade that this insurance company creates. You need to get the advice now, the right advice about your particular situation.
1: You know, it's interesting too because people hear that oh you know when you get involved in the insurance companies' lawyers get involved, and that scares people. But that's actually that's actually a really good thing. I think both you guys would agree because once you get legal minds on their end. Uh, involved in this and they realize what's at stake for that insurance company, the uh, you know the tall foreheads get involved and go, okay, we got to wrap this up because the adjusters don't know. They just don't know. So it's actually to your advantage to, to, to get this, this claim solved with their legal team because now they have people that understand what you guys are all about. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, but listen, John, what's the downside of giving, of 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 being empowered of getting the information you need? I
0: right. think that
2: the only thing people out there might be thinking, uh the skeptics out there, you know, the people who are saying, "Oh, listen to these lawyers, uh ambulance chasers." Uh you know, all they care about is is, you know, their own pockets. Listen, if at the end of the conversation with us, we tell you you have a case and you decide to either go elsewhere, to give up, to appeal, to go with another lawyer, whatever. That's fine. There is nothing wrong with you opting to make a decision that is not in line with what we're recommending. That's okay. That's absolutely fine. And if you feel better with another lawyer, go ahead. Just make sure you get the right person for the job. The point is this it's not us versus you. It's you against the insurance company who refuses to pay you when they have to under the contract. They have a contract with you. And if we're telling you that you are entitled to this money, you are entitled to this money. If you want to give the insurance company a gift, by all means, it's it's your money to give them. But I'll tell you, John, I've had situations few and far between where people have decided to simply not fight. and And there have been situations where they've, you know, regretted that and contacted me a year later or so or two years later. And I told them, I'm sorry, you're out of time because you only have two years from when you were cut off or denied to start that legal claim. And they left literally hundreds of thousands of dollars that was owed to them in the insurance company's pockets. And that's a tragedy in my in my mind. Uh, so, you know, it's up to people to decide for themselves. The point is, this is free information. All the conversations with us are free. It doesn't cost you anything. Everything on our website is free. Empower yourself. Get this to other people. Make sure that, that you know, the people that you care about who are in this situation are aware of their rights.
1: Short break, guys, and back to some content. Muhammad I see your email came through there. We will get to you in uh, in a moment, so just stand by for that. You want to send one along as well anytime, not just during the show, help at disabilityrights.ca. And the toll-free number we always talk about at 1-855-821-5900,
0: Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. <clears throat> you are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. Welcome back. Disability Law
1: Show every week. You know how to reach out to Albert, Savannah, or a member of their team. Really simple, guys. Toll free. Always one 821 5900 Just have a chat. It'll cost you nothing just to get your bearings and get some perspective on what you're dealing with. Email is help at disabilityrights.ca and another place for free answers and questions. Anonymous as well, mydisabilityquestions.com. Muhammad, has promised, we're going to get your email here in a moment, but uh, I know you want to uh, relay a couple things, uh, Albert, before we move on to that. Uh, what do you got for us?
3: Yeah, just very quickly I mean I've been seeing a lot of claims where people are being denied for what is called non-compliance and I mean I could I could talk forever on just this whole issue of non-compliance and uh, but really at the end of the day, kind of what I wanted to tell everyone is you need to take some ownership of your claim. This is your disability claim. It's not anyone else's claim, and no one is going to have as much of a vested interest in it as you. Uh, often that means your doctors are not going to have a vested interest in it, and you need to take control of whether or not you are complying or not complying. And I'm not saying that the insurance company is right by any stretch of the imagination, but you can get ahead of this whole issue of non-compliance very, very easily. and. Sometimes, unfortunately, there's a bit of a disconnect between what's best from maybe a legal perspective and what's best from a medical perspective. And ideally, you wanna do what's best from both. I'm not nev- never saying that you should do something that's contrary to your health that's gonna hurt you or make your condition worse. Definitely not, but generally speaking, the claims that are gonna be the strongest are where you've essentially anticipated every single possible treatment that you could have done, and you've done it. And if you've literally tried everything, how is the insurance company ever going to say that you've been non-compliant? Right? If you've gone, gone let's say you have a psych- psychological issue, and I'm not saying that there's a one-size-fits-all model to everything, but that's sometimes the problem with these claims. It becomes a bit of a box-checking exercise where you need to check those boxes in order to get the insurance company off your back. And a good way to do that is just to try and think. And you can have this conversation with your doctor if you don't know what sorts of treatments you should be considering. But let's say you have a psychological issue. You might benefit from trying to see a psychiatrist, a psychologist, maybe go to a group therapy session, maybe see a counselor, maybe try medications. And if you can do all of these things, it becomes very, very difficult for the insurance company to turn around and say, you've been noncompliant. And not only are you are you kind of getting ahead of this whole issue of non-compliance, you're also now seeing a bunch of different treatment providers who are going to be in a position to say whether or not you can or can't work. They're going to be on your team. They're going to be your advocates. And all of this makes it much more expensive and much more difficult for the insurance company to ever fight you. So it, it, it's... This is one way that you can kind of take control of your own claim, and just remember that it's your disability claim, not anyone else's.
1: Muhammad, as promised, unless Savan, you got a comment on that? We can move on.
2: Let's move on. I think Albert okay. covered that very well.
1: You got it. Mohammed's up next. Guys, my sister has been harassed at work because of being a uh, practicing Muslim. And last year it got so bad that she had to go on leave because of depression. She was denied by her insurance company her application for LTD. And we don't understand why. Her family doctor and her psychologist both wrote letters saying that she needs time off to heal. Uh, Should she just try to go back to work even if she's not ready? She has two young children and her husband is away for work most of the year. It's been very tough on her.
2: Let me let me uh, take a shot at this one, John. Uh, Muhammad. First of all, very sorry, very very sorry for what your sister's going through. I can't believe that this is still going on in this day and age, no. especially with everything you hear on the news. Uh, it, it is absolutely unacceptable, both in terms of what she's experiencing uh, a, a at work, but also in terms of what the insurance company is doing here. And uh, you know, th- there are ways to deal with this. So, number one, we talked about this at the beginning of the show she cannot be forced to go back to work if she's not ready if her psychologist her doctor are both saying that she's not ready yet if if she doesn't believe that she's ready yet she should not have to try to go back to work at this point in time maybe a bit later maybe she when she's better certainly when she's better but not right now and if the insurance company is saying here's the date that we're gonna end your benefits if you don't go back to work in my view, that is a breach of the insurance company's obligation under the insurance policy, and we can take legal action against the insurance company. I also think, John, that there is the employment component here. If she's harassed at work because of being a practicing Muslim, not only does she have a potential claim for constructive dismissal against the company, if she wants to take that step, but I think there are human rights issues here, right? And so let's not gloss over that. That's really, really important. And... The reason why that's important is because not only is she potentially entitled to compensation, but there is that interplay between employment law and long-term disability law. Remember that when you're dealing with severance uh, or some kind of an income um, uh, award from your employer and you're on long-term disability or your old long-term disability, most LTD policies contain provisions that entitle the insurance company to a credit for that kind of income, income replacement, severance. Uh, salary continuation, etc. However, most LDD policies do not allow the insurance company, do not contain provisions that give them credit for any human rights damages. So again, you know, we have to figure out how do we deal with the employer here, but at the same time dealing with the insurance company, Mohammed. clearly your sister needs help. No question about that. This is completely unacceptable. We can help her on both fronts. We'll be happy to speak with her. Uh, if she contacts me or Albert after the show, we'll speak with her about the long-term disability issue that is very pressing right now. Uh, and with respect to the employment issue, we'll connect her with one of our employment lawyers, and they'll be able to advise her on what to do and when to do it. But the point is that she has options. She's not alone. We can help her on all fronts here.
1: Guys, let's take a very quick break. we got more to go. I know you, uh, you've you got some things to say, uh, Albert, and we'll get to Josh's email next. Thanks for sending that along, Josh, moments ago. Help at disabilityrights.ca is the way to do exactly that. Mydisabilityquestions.com. That's another place for answers and questions just for you. And the phone number anytime. We always tell you it's toll-free. You're not lying about that one, one 855 eight. 2 That's That's uh, that's how you call either Savan or uh, Albert or a member of their team and if you haven't caught the TV show it's been going on for years, Savan does it and James and eventually we're going to get Albert there as well, disabilityrights.ca 30 minute televisual feast of what you get for an hour here on the radio every week so you want to check that out simply by going to that firm website and looking for the, uh, the drop down menu.
0: We'll continue, still a few minutes to go right here, Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. Welcome
1: back. Thank you so much for hanging on toll free 1-855-821-5900. The number to reach out toll free to Savannah or Albert and their team help at disabilityrights.ca email address. Josh up next says guys have been on LTE for the past year or so because of depression and insomnia. My doctor has given my insurance company regular updates, but recently I've had a change of adjusters, and now the new adjuster says that my doctor is not giving enough information, so they want me to be seen by their insurance doctor. Why Why is that, and do I have to go? I'm very concerned that their doctor doesn't know me, and I don't know what to do. Can they just ignore what my doctor says, and they've accepted his letters up to now?
3: So, Josh, thanks, thanks for e- emailing in, and sorry that the past year has been a very tough one, uh, and, of course, it sounds like your insurance company isn't making it any easier, and I'm sorry for that. It's quite often that we see a change of adjuster, really meaning that uh, the way that the insurance company handles the claim fundamentally changes. And to, to answer your question, I mean, you, you, you probably should go to this, independent medical examination with their insurance doctor but a lot of the things that you've described are probably actually going to help your case. You said that you're concerned that your doc- their doctor doesn't know you, well that's probably a good thing because your doctor who does know you, who you've been regularly seeing, who also supports that you can't work and supports that you have depression, supports that you have insomnia, who, 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 do, you, who do you think a court is likely to believe? Are they going to believe this one doctor who's seen you for an hour, or are they going to believe your family doctor who you regularly see? So it's actually going to put you in a bit of a stronger position. And if they just ignore what your doctor is saying uh, when they've accepted his, his letters up till now, you're very right. They're going to have to say what's fundamentally changed. And sure, they might want to, try, they might want to point to this one-hour assessment that they sent you to, but it's not going to be very compelling. So my recommendation is to find out exactly which doctor that the insurance company is intending on sending you to. Find out when you're going. Alert your doctor to that. When you do go, make sure that you time how long the appointment is and write down, write down any notes. Just be honest. Just be open. Just be frank. If you do want to have a discussion as to how to best address uh, and how to best conduct yourself over this examination I'm happy to have a call free of charge and it's something that I regularly do with my clients when uh, the insurance companies send them to these examinations and at least you go in a little bit more prepared you go in feeling like you have a sense of how this is likely to go so I'm happy to have that conversation but even if we don't have that conversation as you soon- after you do go make sure you tell your doctor how it went And then, as soon as you can, get the insurance company to send you that report. Get the report in writing. And make sure you give it to your doctor and get your doctor to try and undermine it. Because there's probably going to be a lot of things that are factually incorrect. Go through it. Make sure you know what those are. And there's going to be a lot of things that are probably suggesting that you can't work. At the end of the day, if your doctor supports you, that's really all that matters. As long as you've been following what your doctor says that you're supposed to do in terms of treatment and your doctor says that, functionally speaking, you can't work, the insurance company isn't allowed to cut you off. And if they do, there's going to be recourse for you and there's going to be repercussions for them. So so you don't need to worry. Give me a shout at any point if you want to chat about how to best sort of tackle this examination that's coming up.
1: Savannah, so what do you think, Bill?
2: John, one of the things that I was recently asked um specifically is, do we have experts on our end that we utilize in cases? Uh, do we have doctors that we can go to to help, right. you know, uh, bolster a case? Yep. And my answer is 100%. Not only do we have experts that we can go to and that we do go to, we go to the top people. In other words, we don't go, for example, if if, you know, we have a psychological disability claim, mental illness claim, um you know we don't go to a psychologist that has a private practice somewhere that nobody's heard about not that they're not effective but in terms of gravitas we go to the head of you know a particular uh, clinic uh, or hospital uh if we go if we have a, a person that suffers from an orthopedic injury a back injury we go to the top people in the top hospitals those are the individuals that we tap as experts for our cases however however here's the difference not only do we go to these people, which the insurance companies typically do not because they're too expensive, right? Insurance companies don't want to pay for the expensive doctors, but we also use those experts to bolster, to back up the treating doctors. So now, if you think about it, it's not just your treating doctor versus the insurance company's uh, uh, assessor, whoever that person ends up being, and oftentimes, by the way, they choose the wrong people uh, on the insurance side to assess you. Uh, we find those kinds of mistakes all the time. But in addition to that, we have those experts backing up those treating doctors. Now, we don't need that in every case. I'm not saying in every case we suddenly have a slew of, of experts that we hire. What I'm saying is that on our end, if, you know, if push comes to shove, we have the treating doctors, we have the experts, we have everybody we need. We have lay witnesses potentially, people who know our claimant, maybe family members, maybe uh, colleagues at work, whoever the person tells us can back up you know, not just their story, but the narrative that the person has been struggling and is unable to work. And, you know, you put that uh and you juxtapose that to this one IME uh consultant or physician that the insurance company had you see for an hour or two hours that has never seen you before and probably will never see you after. And Albert's right. You know, who's got more credibility? Your side with the experts, with the treating doctors, with the lay witnesses versus you know this one doctor, the doctor for hire, that the insurance company went for, uh, simply to to try and cut you off. So again, insurance companies understand this. They understand that if it's that one side with all of the the stuff that I've talked about, the lay witnesses, the experts, the treating doctors, and their consultant on the other side, they understand that the chances are they're going to win if this ever goes to court. Which is why most of these cases never go to court. They just don't. This is not American TV. Don't assume that if we tell you you have a case, you're going to end up before a judge. It's extremely rare to go to court nowadays. And it's rare because insurance companies don't want to take the chance of having to pay their lawyers all this money to defend the case, only to get hammered by a judge at the end of the day. They would rather come to a negotiated settlement. And that's what happens in the vast majority of these cases across the country. That's just a fact, John.
1: Guys, good way to wrap it right there. Reaching out, simple, toll-free. We keep telling you it's toll-free. Have a chat like Albert and Savan said. It'll cost you nothing just to pick up a phone, One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. disabilityrights.ca. The website, take you there for our TV links, and then email is help at disabilityrights.ca. And uh, one final uh, place for you to go for questions and answers, mydisabilityquestions.com. Thanks for hanging with us. We'll catch you next time. Disability Law Show on Global News Radio.